When the liturgical renewal happened in the Episcopal Church about 35 years ago now, one of the things that the revisers of the Book of Common Prayer wished to do, and even in, in the Second Vatican Council in the Roman Catholic Church, was to re return the church's practice to understanding Sunday as uh, a day of resurrection, a little Easter, every, every Sunday. And what had happened over time was that because of a rather elaborate calendar of saints, if a date on a Sunday happened to be a saint's day, the Sunday was moved and the saint's day was observed. Now, to use terminology alien to our tradition, that has been suppressed. <laughs> and we uh, are to observe the Sunday, as a matter of course, unless it's a feast of our Lord, like Epiphany or you know, the Transfiguration or something like that, or a feast of the Incarnation, one of the Marian feasts, the Presentation, something like that. But uh, normally we don't, you know, for the feast of Mother Cabrini's shoes, move the Sunday. <laughs> the permission, though, was given uh, in the directions to, if a saint's day fell on a Sunday that happened to be your patronal festival, your pa patron saint, then you, could, then you could keep it, or you could even transfer your patron saint uh, to the nearest Sunday. So, today happens to actually be St. Luke's Day. So it's a pleasure to be able to do that, and at least once a year I have the opportunity to speak about St. Luke's, St. Luke, and what uh, all of that means for us as a parish dedicated to St. Luke the physician, and to say some thing, three things to you. A little bit about St. Luke, a little bit about the gospel that St. Luke wrote and how we understand in some ways um, what it is we're supposed to be doing as a parish that is dedicated to St. Luke's church. I looked this up last year when I wrote my St. Luke's sermon because I thought I was right and I am. There are more churches dedicated to St. Luke in our diocese than any other dedication. There's St. Luke's Los Gatos, St. Luke's Hollister, St. Luke's Halone, and St. Luke's in Atescadero. Halone is in the sort of back of beyond, you know. It's not too far from San Antonio Mission, but it's on the military reservation. So now, after 9-11, trying to get on there, uh, you got to sort of, you know, promise your firstborn. It's kind of tough. So anyway, there are a number of, of parishes dedicated to St. Luke's Church. So here's, here we go. There's no reason to assume that the gospel uh, that we read from t uh, today uh, was not written by somebody named Luke. There's no reason to doubt that he was a physician uh, and that in some ways uh, all of the things that are said about Luke in the New Testament whenever it comes up today, Paul, I, I'm not going to preach on the epistle, but let me just tell you my view. Whenever I read this passage from Timothy, when Paul says, well, you know, Crescens is gone, Damas is in love with this, he's gone, you know, uh, Titus is gone here and so on, all I have is Luke left here with me. 
most of those guys probably said, I don't think I can be here for one more minute. <laughs> <laughs> don't you think St. Paul was maybe a little intense? <laughs> there was a certain intensity about him, you know, a certain way of looking at things. I've always wanted to know, though, what, it said, what, what, what it's meant there when he said the parchments. What was on those parchments? That's what I'd like to know. It might have been interesting. But old Luke is there with him, and I guess he's long-suffering or just uh, committed in one way or another. The Gospel according to St. Luke is, was written about 80 or 85 A.D. There are more healing stories in Luke's Gospel than in any of the other Gospels, which might give you some indication of uh, the physician aspect of Luke because he was certainly interested in the healings and he records more of them than any other gospel writer. There, are more com there is more commentary by Jesus in Luke's gospel on issues of social justice and ec equity, economic justice, on the proper use of your resources than any other of the gospel writers. So for Luke, this meant a lot. Luke is the Shakespeare of the New Testament. His Greek is the best. And I was always grateful in Greek class that we didn't have to make translations of Luke's gospel for the professor. Uh, it was really hard. The easy one is John. Greek is clearly not his first language, and it was kind of, you know, simple. But Luke's gospel is really good Greek. And what does that mean? It means that he wrote this gospel clearly for the Gentile community. And he himself was a Gentile. And a Greek speaker probably as his first language. I've mentioned this before. Remember, Alexander the Great conquered that whole area a thousand years before. Right? And when he did, he came in and he said, we're going to have now insist upon teaching Greek culture to the people who, who we have conquered. So we've got Greek schools, we have Greek theaters, we have Greek culture now there. Jesus lived right next door in uh, Nazareth to a Greek town, a big one, called Sepphoris. And it had a Greek theater there and a whole lot of other stuff. And he and his dad probably did a lot of jobs in Sepphoris. And I've mentioned this to you before, too. When I was in seminary, there was the occasional speculation by the biblical scholarship gang that Jesus probably understood Greek. Now it's assumed in biblical scholarship that he spoke Greek. The Greek that was the lingua franca of the, of the ancient Near East, not the high-tone Greek, you know, Aristophanes, Plato, Aristotle. That's called Attic Greek. The Greek that we have in the New Testament is called Koine Greek, which Reginald Fuller used to say when I heard him lecture once, Koine Greek is the kind of Greek that a truck driver would use to explain to his wife why he hadn't come home the night before. <laughs> okay? So you can make of that what you will. But still, the Greek that Luke uses is very, very high class and very, very good. So here's what he's at pains to talk about, and maybe some connections that we can make 
uh, about all of this. The first thing that Luke uh, wants to talk about is the era of the law and the prophets. And that culminates in his story about John the Baptist as the sort of epitome of all of the Old Testament prophecy, all of the promises of God, the affirmation that the people who have longed for a savior, if they had consulted their sacred literature, would have seen in it that in fact in Jesus we have seen now the fulfillment of those promises And so he speaks about the law and the prophets. He speaks about the earthly ministry of Jesus, which I'll get to in a minute. And then he says that we are now in the era of the church. Luke's gospel is volume one. And Luke also wrote the book of Acts. So the book of Acts is volume two. Luke believed that human history had been transformed as the result of what biblical scholars call the Christ event. And therefore, we are now living in something called salvation history. When I was in seminary, the Germans reigned supreme. They still do in some ways. So salvation history is called Heiligeschichte. And you can imagine what seminarians did with that as they talked together informally. (laughs) (laughs) Holy history, maybe you could translate it as, I don't know. But who knows? Now here's the thing about the gospel. Luke believes that we have seen in the person of Jesus Christ in the gospel that he wrote the presence of God's Holy Spirit. And in the book of Acts, volume 2, we have seen the transfer of the presence of the Holy Spirit into the church. So you and I become the beneficiaries and the fiduciaries of the Holy Spirit of God. And that the Holy Spirit now is the agency that allows us to do the things that Luke thinks are important, which are to bring healing and wholeness to the world, to labor for a society where it is easier for people to be good, and to be on the side of those who are on the margins as a demonstration of the values of the kingdom of God. And Luke understands the kingdom of God to be a field that we're, we live in, you know, like a field, a force field, or a, that, that kind of field, not a meadow kind of field. And we're all in this. And that whenever we express the highest and best of our human character, whenever we make manifest the fruits of the Spirit of God, we are being faithful to the values of the kingdom of God And even if it's for a nanosecond, we see the kingdom present in people's lives and in the world. And so the community that we now call the church was brought into being as the result of God's purposes. So people, when Luke was alive, were sort of standing around thinking, well, he said he was going to come again, and he's not here. 
For Luke, that's part of the plan of God. So what does that mean? It means that you and me have a role to play in God's plan for the world. I say this to you over and over again, that our patron believes that that is what uh, the message of Jesus indicated, that we're part of it and the church should come into being. You know, you and I live in salvation history if we're consistent with what Luke says. And salvation history is thought of, you know, in the gospel as the law and the prophets, the period of Jesus, and the church coming into being. But I've always said, and I say this every Easter, the biblical witness, including Luke's gospel, affirms that you're part of salvation history. All of us. Your personal history has something to do with God's purposes. You know, you count, you're significant in big and small ways in terms of the way in which you, ha you play the role you, you, you play. Most of the time, we have a far too heroic view of what that means as we live our life on a daily basis. You know, you got to think about first things first, the things that are right in front of you and what you need to do. And are you paying attention to those things in a way that's pursuing excellence? You know, the virtuous life, being a virtuous person, is understood in the ancient world as it was a tradition that develops and people even talking about virtue in our own time. It comes from a Greek word, arete, which means excellence. So when Aristotle said that you should be uh, concerned about the virtues, it meant you need to be concerned about pursuing excellence in your life. And that excellence for him and for the Savior had something to do with your character. And character can be defined as living your life according to certain principles. So when you think about what Luke has to say, he's saying we're cooperators with this divine initiative. You know, Matthew had his own agenda about what he wanted to show and prove. He was a Jewish Christian. Luke was a Gentile Christian and wanted to say, you know what, what has happened here has significance for the whole world. Not some narrow group of people who believed that they were the only chosen people of God or the people of the covenant, but for everyone. And that meant even people who don't think that they have any role to play or even at this point know whether they want to play any role in this. Luke thinks that the way you see the presence of God is through anything that brings healing and wholeness and health to relationship. So as a doctor, he's very interested in physical health, but he's also interested in emotional health, and he's also interested in relational health. And you've heard me say to you before that the word to save in the Greek New Testament and in the Hebrew Bible to save is the same word that is used to mean to heal. So when Luke speaks about the saving work of God, 
he means the healing of all that is broken. And that you and I have something to do about bringing the world into a place of healing and wholeness. So, this week, give thanks for being part of a parish that's dedicated to St. Luke the Physician. Remember that you have a role to play in big and small ways in God's plan for the cosmos. Remember that your personal history counts, that God's unconditional acceptance, love, and forgiveness affirms that whatever you are going through or have gone through or will go through is part of how we make sense of God's presence, how we can live a life more congruent with God's purposes. And remember that the resource that you have always to call on, both for your strength and perseverance and affirmation, but also for a way of testing whether you're making spiritual progress, is the Holy Spirit. So love, joy, kindness, peace, gentleness, self-control are things that you can cultivate to make yourself a better human being and live consistent with God's purposes. And the Spirit is also there to provide you the energy to do it, the grace to accomplish it, as it says in one of our prayers. So give thanks for St. Luke's and for St. Luke's Los Gatos. Amen. 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 Café. <coughs>